following Jesus is not supposed to be a safe life. Did you know that? It's not supposed to be easy and safe. And yet somewhere along the line, as a, as a believer for years, I believed this. And it was, it's a complete lie. I believed that I thought that as long as I did what the Lord asked me, as long as I um, followed his commands as best I could, as long as I, I tried to bring him into all of my decision making, and as long as I did all those things and ticked all the boxes, then somehow in my head, this equaled an easy, safe life. That's a lie. God calls us into a life that is, he asks us to take, first of all, he asks us to take up our cross and follow him. That doesn't sound incredibly safe to me, does it? He asks us to leave all behind and come follow him. That doesn't particularly sound very easy to me either. And yet that's what it is to follow Jesus. That's what it is to be a follower of Jesus. And as I said, I want to talk about Abraham and Sarai, who later became Abraham and Sarah, and talk a wee bit about their story this morning. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis 12, verse 1. And while you're turning, there's a wee bit of a backstory. So Abraham was worshipping a false moon god called Nanar, which kind of reminds me of Nanu Nanu. Do you remember that? What did you call it? What was that program? Mork and Mindy. All of us over 40s, we remember Mork and Mindy. No, all you... Younger people don't remember Mark and Mindy. It's worth checking out on YouTube, though, because it is very, very funny. You should go check it out. But anyway, Abram was um, worshipping this false moon god called Nanar. And he was, a, he was living in the Ur of the Chaldees, worshipping this false god. And the one true god comes to him and gives him a very simple and very direct command. Now, remember, God was not his god. It was not his God. He worshipped another God, and yet the living God, the God of all creation, the God that we worship, God came to Abraham, he spoke to him, and he said these words. And this is what the Lord said. The Lord said to Abraham, Abraham, leave your country, your people, and your father's household. Leave your country and go to the land that I will show you. Leave and go. Leave and go leave and go. This might sound a bit obvious, but to go somewhere else, you need to leave where you are. To go somewhere else, to go somewhere else, to go to somewhere brand new, ignore the nice um, fancy uh, light show behind me here, but to leave, to go somewhere else, you have to leave behind where you already are. And that sounds like the most obvious thing in the world, but actually, that is one of the barriers to going. Because we don't want to leave behind where we are. You see, I know, I know one thing about me is I love comfortable life. I love an easy life. I love comfortable and easy. I like to get home in the evening, get my wee bits done, and then sit up and watch Grey's Anatomy on Netflix. Anybody else Grey's Anatomy fan? Oh my goodness, I'm losing my life to it anyway. I like easy. I like, you know, I like things to be, I like a wee bit of adventure, but my adventure really is purely only to travel. Let's be honest. That's the only wee bit of adventure I like is I like to go to different countries and see how other people live their lives. But I don't actually want God to call me to go and live there. Do you know what I mean? And we think, 
of Abram. And we think of him in this moment, and he is being told to leave all that he knows. It says, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to a country, to a land I will show you. And God didn't even tell him where. So just go, and I'm going to show you as you go. And I'm sure Abram was thinking, but, you know, everything I know is here. All my friends, the people I've grown up with, my father, my, my family, everything I'm familiar with is right here. And sometimes when God comes along and he begins to nudge us and speak to us, we can think, well, you know, imagine this morning, and for some of you, this may be what the Lord is asking you to do, is actually to go. Leave your friends, leave your you're where you live. Maybe you've lived up. Maybe you've lived in the house you live in for years. And you may think, say things like, do you know what? I mean, I, I can't leave here. This is where I've lived for forever. These are my best friend lives here. And we've been friends from we were like four. And that's ridiculous, God. And you're not going to ask me to do something that difficult. And yet God did this to Abram. He asked him to leave and go. Genesis 12, 2 to 3. The next two verses say this. God simply makes this promise, and he says, here's my promise to you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people on the earth will be blessed through you. Now, Abraham could have said, yeah, right. There's going to be nations come from us. God, have you missed a very important thing here in this story? My wife, I'm 75, my wife and I have been trying for years and years and years to have a family and we still don't have a family and you're going to make me the father of many nations? How does that work? Maybe he's thinking, maybe this God doesn't really know how it works. You know, like, God, how are you going to do this? How are you going to make this happen? But there's something really, really important in this. You see, it wasn't the promises that Abraham made to God that changed his life and circumstances, but the promises that God made to Abraham. I want to say it again because that is so important. We are not changed in our lives by the promises that we make to God, but by the promises that he makes to us. You see, it was God's promise to Abraham that changed Abraham's life, not the other way around. Now, what changed Abraham's life was stepping into it and going whenever God called him to go. We're not changed by the promises we make to God. We can promise God. I remember being in a situation whenever um, we were pregnant with Caleb, and it was early, early time of, of the pregnancy, but we thought we were losing him. And I remember praying in the road between Korean and Balamoni, because we lived in Korean at the time, and I promised God everything if he would just let our baby survive. I promised him absolutely everything, everything. In that moment of absolute desperation, I, could, I just was like, God, if you, if you let this baby be okay, if you let us have this baby, you, you can... Whatever, God, whatever you ask me, I'll do. Whatever you, wherever you want from me. You know, have you ever been in that place of desperation? 
where you're faced with whatever the difficult situation is. Maybe you're in that place in your marriage. Maybe you're in that place with other um, relationships in your life that are so difficult and complex, and you're just in that place. You're saying, God, whatever. What I promise you, if you can just fix this, or maybe you've made a mistake. Maybe you've made a mistake in your life. Have you ever been there where you've made a mistake and you realize the consequences are just going to be completely catastrophic? And in that moment, you're like, God, please, please come fix this. Oh, would you please come fix this? And if you would only come fix this, God, I promise I'll. I promise I'll. I promise I'll. But in that moment, it's not your promise to God that changes anything. It's his promise to you. His promise that he'll never leave you. His promise that he's going to walk with you and he's going to help you sort out whatever mess you've made or he's going to help you work through by the power of the Holy Spirit whatever situation you find yourself in. It's his promises that change our lives. When we think of Abraham today, what do we think of? What do we think of? We think of he is the father. The Bible refers to him time and time again. He is the God of, God is the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Generations. But in this moment when God appeared or God spoke to Abraham, he was childless. There was, no, there was no sons. There was no legacy that was right there in front of him. There was no way that he could see that God's plan was going was to be fulfilled or God's promise to him was going to be fulfilled. He had a step out into the absolute unknown And in verse 4, this is one of the reasons why Abraham is one of my heroes in the faith. And verse 4 simply says this, so Abraham left as the Lord told him. Could you imagine that? Abraham hadn't had years of knowing God to be good. He hadn't had that experience. He hadn't had the gift of what many of us in this room have is knowing that God is faithful. Hands up. How many of us know that God has been faithful in our lives? Right across this room. We know he's faithful, don't we? We know we can trust him. But here's Abram. He worshiped another God altogether, and yet God tells him to go, and he fully trusts him. He steps away from everything he knows to go to a land that he doesn't even know where he's going. And it says, he left as the Lord told him. Wow. Wow. So what's the difference between Abraham and us today? What is it that made him so different? What is it about Abraham's life? What was it about him that he was prepared to step into the story that God was writing in his life and go, even though he didn't know where he was going, to step into this moment? And the one thing that Abraham had was he had faith. He had faith to step into what God had for him. To be able to obey was because he he just had faith. He believed. And faith is, is believing in something that we can't see, feel, touch, or often hear. Faith in itself is the essence of something that is very mysterious. See, sometimes the best decisions we can go we can make is to go when it would be so much easier to stay. And when I look at Abram's life, I see so many reasons why it would be easier for him to stay, but yet he chose to go. Um, How many of you were here last week for Rhonda speaking? 
quite a few of you. The rest of you, please catch it online. Rhonda was amazing. She did such a great job. And it was so lovely hearing her stories about some of the people that she's met in Uganda and, and the people that she's come to know there. But I remember going back from that. I remember having conversations with Rhonda when she was deciding, and, and she wouldn't talk to you about this because she's too modest. She's way too modest. But I remember the conversations with Rhonda where she was wrestling with, do I go or do I stay? Do I go to Uganda? Do I leave my home? She just bought a new house in Kiliman. Do I leave my home? Do I leave a good job when there's so few permanent teacher jobs in the country? Do I leave this job? Okay, they might hold it for me for a wee while, but I mean, what am I, what am I stepping into? Do I leave my family, my friends? This is where I've lived all my life. And she wrestled with it. And I remember her talking, do I go, do I stay? And then when she did go for the, for the first time, when she came back, she was like, do I go back? Now I've been, because I think she thought, maybe if I go and do this, then that's my wee bit done, God. Think done a wee bit, I've gone and I've done this and I've got it out of my system. But no, she felt a stirring to, no, I think I need to go back. I think I need to go back. But can you imagine, when you listen to Rhonda's story from last week and we've heard her story, can you imagine if Rhonda had stayed? Can you imagine that all those lovely people that she introduced us to in those stories last week, what would their lives be if Rhonda hadn't said yes and went? How much less would their lives be without Rhonda's gifts and input that God sent her there to help them and to work with them and to love them and support them and, and to give away only what God had given her? You see, it's easy to see that in Rhonda's story now. It's easy for us to see, oh, yeah, Rhonda, that's amazing that you did that, and that's so brave of you, and that was so good, and look, it's all worked out really well, but... Before Rhonda set out, and that, before she got on that plane that first time, she had no idea what it was going to look like. She had no idea. All she knew was that she felt the prompting for the father to go. And that she knew that she needed, needed to push through the, the temptation to stay because it would be easier to stay. So I want us to take a step back. And I want us to ask this big question. What does God want you to want? We've been asking this all through this series. What does God want you to want? What is it in your life that he wants you to want? He is the author of our story. We want him to be the author of our story. We can choose to write our own stories. You do know that, don't you? God is not um, playing some massive cosmic computer game in the sky where he is controlling all of us and making all our decisions for us. Instead, he is an author who is sitting writing our story and we can choose to live it the way he is writing it for us. But we need to step into that or we can make our own decisions. You only need to look around the world around us to see how that works out when we make our own decisions. So I want us to take a step back and go, okay, Father, you're the author. I want you to be the author of, of my story. So what do I need to change so that my life is moving in the direction that you have for me? to move. God, what decisions do you want me to make now in this moment that are going to determine this next chapter of my life or even beyond, even maybe for the rest of your life? 
And sometimes, I don't know about you, but I get so locked into what's right in front of me. Anyone else like that? Sometimes I get locked into just, well, this is July. So this is what July looks like. And we're now off on two weeks holidays. Woo! And, uh, and I'm thinking about that. And I'm, I'm thinking then crash is coming in August. And, and, or I'm thinking, well, then the boys will be going to uni in September. And what I need to do for that. And I get locked in to this wee small part of my life. And it's usually the, it's easier for me to get locked into the practical and the more urgent things because they're easier to work out and fix. But every now and again, we need to take a step back. We need to lift our eyes up and we need to look around the whole of our lives. And we don't do that on our own. We ask the Father and the, the Holy Spirit and Jesus to help us to look. And we say, okay, God, what's the big picture here? Where am I going in my life? What is it that you want me to want right now in my life that's actually going to change something? Well, and then the next question is, okay, so if this is what God wants me to want, then what do I need to begin doing differently so that that can come to, come to play, come into pass? See, if you are sensing that God is saying to you, do you know what? I think that you need to spend more time in Scripture. Say the, say the father send that to me and he said, Michelle, I want you to spend more time studying Scripture. That's what he wants from me. If I don't actually make a decision tomorrow to pick up my Bible or today to pick up my Bible and begin to read Scripture, or if I don't sign up for an online theology class or a course or, or get myself checked, you know, do something like that there, nothing is going to change. In three, four weeks, in five years' time, nothing is going to be any different. So what is it in your life? I can't answer that for you. When you look up and you look around your life, what is it that Jesus wants you to want? You know, for some of you, you see Alison sitting here in the front row, which brings us into sharp focus for me. Some of you are so wrapped up and in bondage in your life to death that you can't look up. There's like a fear, and the reason pointing out Alison is because she works for CAP, <laughs> not because that's Alison's story, but this is like this is because she works for CAP. And if any of you are in financial crisis, can I recommend speak to Alison afterwards, get their number, and get the help that you need. But some of you are so caught up in this rat race that we're in of just living just a little bit beyond every month, every month, and you're becoming more and more and more trapped by your debt that you just say, God, I can't look up. What if you ask me to go? I can't go. I have too much debt. I have too many responsibilities. I have too many commitments. What if what God is asking you to do in this moment, in this chapter of your life, is just to begin to make some wise decisions, to cut back so that you can live? And I really feel that is for one or two people here today. God does not want you kept in bondage and slavery to consumerism and in debt. He wants you free. He wants you to live a free life. Maybe some of you, it's about to start a ministry. Um, this time last year or just before that, uh, Denise Fenton came to me and said, Michelle, we, we need to start a woman's ministry. And I'm like, yeah, we do. Would you like to do it? She's like, no, 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 I'm just saying that we would need to start a woman's ministry. And I was like, no, well, actually, I've been waiting for someone to come and tell me that they're going to start a woman's ministry. Or that. So I said, so why don't you go away, have a wee prayer, we think, come back to me. And now we have had a, a wonderful year of flourish, haven't we? 
It's been such a blessing to so many women, not just women in this church, but women outside this church, people that, people that you've brought and have been so blessed. So what are the, but this morning, what ministries have we yet not started in Vineyard Church in Gallon? What need in our community is so great that we are still not meeting? You see, Vineyard Church in Gallon will meet those needs when you listen to the call that God is putting in your hearts for you to step up and step into it. That's not Jason and I's job. Our job is to bless you, resource you, and release you to do it. But it's not our job to do it all. Sorry if that's what you thought it was. I'm just sort of writing in our line of my job description. So what, what needs in our community are going to be changed and met because you've listened to this talk today and this series? What is God stirring in your life? What, what do you see on the outside in our streets in our community and you just think, I cannot bear this any longer. We need to do something. And the Father has sent you this morning, you need to do something. So what step of faith do we need to take? What step of faith do we need to take? Like Abram, he, God spoke, he heard him, he believed his promise, and he went. He left. Where in your life do you need to go? Do you need to step out? Do you need to move forward? When it would be so much easier to stay. Now, I'm putting in two disclaimers here. There may be more, but these are the two most obvious to me. Number one, you cannot go home to your husband or wife and say, actually, it would be easier to stay, but I'm going. Okay? Jason, don't panic. I'm not going to say that this afternoon. Or you can't just go into your work tomorrow morning and go, do you know what? Stuff this. I'm out of here. Michelle said yesterday, sometimes it's easier to stay and harder to go. I'm going. No, that's not what I'm saying, that's just stupidity, that is not wisdom, okay? But maybe the Lord is asking you to rethink your job. Maybe he is stirring in you, there's maybe something that you have been longing to do for years and years and you've just been so afraid to step into it and maybe God is rekindling that again. Please don't leave your job until you get it sorted, don't do that, <laughs> but have a think about it. Andy Young did it a few years ago. He left his job. And what kind of surveying were you in, Andy? Town planning thing. Very boring. And Andy decided to completely change his life and teach. Now, at the time, it would have been so much easier for Andy to stay in the job that he had trained in and done. And instead, he went off because he had a desire to teach. And now he's a phenomenal teacher and is making such a huge difference to those children that he teaches every year. What if he hadn't done that? So this morning, I want us to think about what is it? What is it God is stirring in you? What is it that he's stirring in you? What is he talking to you about? And if he isn't doing anything right now, I want you to remember this talk for when he does. And the next time he begins stirring it and stirring it, I want you to, to remember and to take that step. I want you to remember what Abraham did. Abraham, he, he left. Maybe some of you, it's time to think about extending your family. Everybody's getting very nervous. <laughs> but you know, children are a blessing from God. And maybe you've been thinking for a while, I'm just going to put this out here because, yeah, the Lord could be on it. I'm not saying it's a prophetic word or anything. 
But you know, maybe you've been thinking, should we have another child? Should we not have another child? Is it time to have more babies? Is it not time to have more babies? And maybe it's just about, about praying and saying, okay, God, maybe it is now is the time. If children are a blessing from God, it might be good to have more. Everybody's looking at the floor right now. I don't know why they're doing that. Or for other of you, the Father may have been speaking to you over and over again about fostering and adopting, and it will not leave you. Maybe now is the time to step into that. And here's the thing. It might be hard. It might be difficult. There's no guarantee of success. When we step out and we go when it will be easier to stay, there is no guarantees. And sometimes even what our failure looks like is not really failure in God's eyes. But it's our fear and it's our, oh my goodness, what if, what if this doesn't work? What if people look at me and think, oh, they're just nuts? They may do. They may do. There was people who thought we were nuts when we wanted to go and plant the church in Bengalan. It might be hard. It might not be easy. But we take a step of faith and we go ahead. Even when we know it will be easier to do nothing and to stay exactly where we are. I think this morning in, in this room, there's one or two of you that are being asked to actually go, to physically relocate yourselves. As I prayed about this this morning, I was like going, God, I don't know. I don't want anyone to go. I was actually standing during worship going, don't think I'm going to give that bit out, God. I like my church family. I don't want anybody to go. I just like to keep them here. I don't want anyone to go. And then the father was reminding me yet again that you're his people and you're not actually mine and I don't get to keep you even if I want to. So... But I think that some of you may be actually being called right now to geographically move, go somewhere else. And bigger than that, and you know this is my passion, but I think, oh my goodness, wouldn't it be amazing if there was at least one or two or maybe more of you that had a heart to plant churches? Oh my goodness. See, I have such a heart for this nation, for this whole island, north, south, east and west. I have such a heart for it. And I long to see churches planted in this nation. This country where people are disillusioned with faith and with God and they are hungry and they are thirsting after water and we have the water of life. We know him. His name is Jesus. We're all over this country where people and communities and places and villages and towns and cities where people are crying out for some truth because they can find truth nowhere in the world anymore. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could send some of you out? Wouldn't it be amazing if some of you would go to the west coast of Ireland or to the south or to the east or to the Midlands or to wherever? Because... I'll be honest, I'm fed up with us in Vineyard planting churches in, the Northern, in Northern Ireland. That, let me rephrase that. I'm not fed up with that. I'm actually really happy that we're planting churches in the Northern Ireland. But what I long for, what I really long for, is that when I see that map, that I see more and more dots in the south. You see, it's harder to go. It's easier to stay. It's harder to go. And it's easier to stay. And my prayer is that we would be a church and we would continue to be a church that would send people 
out to plant churches from here. Just like we did with our ma. Just like we were able to bless them and love them and send them out. With so many of them, but we're okay with that. Me and Jesus have settled that, okay. And that we blessed them and we we're so happy to see what God's doing in Armagh through them. Because there's people already whose lives are being changed because they're there. And if they hadn't went and if we hadn't as a church bore the brunt of that pain of letting them go, there would not be people's lives being changed there in Armagh. Where next is God calling us? You know, we all can't plant churches. That's not what God's calling us to. But I do believe that in every one of us, this is a new chapter. There is a sense that, we, that something that we can decide or take a decision on today can change this next part of our lives. And even more than that, change not just your life, but the people all around you. Because isn't that amazing how God, this happens? Rhonda goes to Uganda, and a whole people are changed there. Andy becomes a teacher. There's a whole classroom of different, different children every year that he gets to influence and to teach and to see God change their lives through doing his job. Who knows what God is calling us into? Hebrews 11, 8. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. He did it by faith. He did it by faith. See, some of us, we think, I don't have faith to finish this journey. I don't have faith to finish the journey. Do you know what God's saying to us today? All you need is the faith to start. Abraham did not know where he was going. Exactly, he just knew he had to go. And then as he went, the plan unfolded. Some of us, we need to know how the plan's going to all unfold before we'll step out. And we call it wisdom, or I do. Okay, I'm talking about myself, okay? I like to have the plan airtight. We're going to do this. Jason's more of a, we're going here, Michelle. This is what we're doing. We're going there. And I'm like, how are we going to get there? He says, don't care. We're going there. That's how we're going. And my job is to kind of fill in the details between here and there and work it all out. The problem with being the detailed person is sometimes then I'm reluctant to take the first step. Because I'm stuck in the place with Jesus of going, well, hold on a minute. We haven't quite got that bit sorted yet. And once we get that bit sorted, then I'll know for sure you're definitely in it. Because you wouldn't, you know, like, I mean, you, you call us to be wise. And that wouldn't be wise if we didn't do that. And sometimes my desire, or what I like to call wisdom, is actually just fear. We need to step out. First step. The first step. Could you imagine the first step of that journey of Abram's? gathered up all the people, all his people with him, and they take that first step, and the next step, and the next step. We need faith for the step in front of us. We need faith to believe that it's God who's calling us, and that, that we want to be part of his story, that we want him to author our story more than we want to control it ourselves. I'm going to finish up with this. Fifteen years ago, I didn't have faith for this. I didn't have faith for Vineyard Church in Gallon 15 years ago. I remember sitting at our kitchen table in Tobermore. And it would have been me, Jason, 
Alan and Catherine Scott, and we would sit around once a fortnight and a Friday night, and we would talk about church, and we would talk about what God might be calling us into, but it all felt incredibly hypothetical to me. I don't know whether I'm just them or the Lord knows me too well. It's all a very hypothetical conversation. Oh, well, if we did church, we might do it like this, and, and all that kind of thing. It wasn't hypothetical at all for Jason. And I remember it was, it was almost exactly 15 years ago, one of these nights, and Alan turned to both of us, and he said, so when are you going to start? And I thought, what's he talking about? Start what? What's he talking about? I didn't say anything. I was, I was wise to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> That's a good thing. It doesn't normally happen. Anyway, um, I was like, go on. What does he mean? And he goes, give me a month, name a month that you're going to start this church plant. So this was 2003. And I stopped breathing. Literally, I stopped breathing. I sat in that, in that chair at my table and I stopped breathing, hoping, hoping that Jason was going to say at least 2005. I thought in our two years at least, at least 2005 would be all right. We maybe could aim towards 2005. Because in 2003, I had a one, two, and a four-year-old, right? This is the context. No, I didn't. I tell a lie, I didn't. Sorry. I had a three, four, six-year-old in 2003. And instead of Jason saying 2005, which I was really, 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 really hoping for, he said October 2003. And I was like, what? what? And he goes, October? Yep, I think, I think October. We'll launch into Markerfeld in October. That sounds like a great idea. Yep, let's do that. And I literally couldn't breathe, never mind talk. I just sat there and in complete shock, fear, frozen at my kitchen table thinking, how am I going to tell these three people that I love most in the world sitting around here and that I really, really respect that actually I'm not in anymore? I'm out. I am out. October 2003, this is not going to happen. And in my mind, I thought, well, at the very, very earliest, maybe I could push them back to January 2004 because that was a whole other calendar year. Do you know what I mean? I was thinking, that's next year. I can put it off to next year. This is in my head. I didn't say anything. But the truth was that even though I was afraid and even though I was panicking, I knew there, there was this urgency and this sense of it's time to go. It's time to go. Now, I'm not going to tell you all the story. And if you come to Roadmap, the next time we do one, you can hear the whole story, just a wee um, unashamed plug for Roadmap, when we tell our whole story of how we ended up here. But by the end of October into November of that year, of 2003, we were sitting around the same kitchen table in Tobermore and we were discussing about the dreams that God had given us about actually planting a church in Dungannon. And this time we were talking about the circumstances that it was going to mean that we were going to have to move the boys from school, that we were going to have to find a new home, that we were going to have to create, find friends and create community and do all that. Because at this stage, there was only one family we knew in Dungannon and that was Peter and Julie McCammon. We did not know another person in this place. But that's what we had to do. We, we needed to take the first step. We needed to take that first step. And even though I look back and think, well, why did we end up starting something in Mark Felt for five, six weeks, and then that didn't work out? God spoke to us, and we, we ended up then, it was January 2005, which I like to say that, um, January 2004, I like to say actually I was the one that heard God around the table that night, um, that we began to pray in Dungannon about this church. But we needed to take those first steps of faith, of 
to go when it would have been so much easier to stay. Let me tell you, it would have been so much easier to stay. I had my whole family network of support in Tobermore. We were still able to travel to a church that we loved, Cosby Coast Vineyard. We made that, tra- that we trip up every weekend. Our life was fine. But yet God told us to go when it would have been so much easier to stay. And now, 15 years later, I get to stand here and I, get, I have 15 years of stories of God's faithfulness. I have 15 years of stories of 15 years of people that I've met in this place. 15 years of, of history with many of you. Many of you have 14, nearly 15 years history with you in your lives, walking with you, being part of your lives, you being part of ours, that if I had stayed, I would have missed. What is God asking you to step into this morning? What is it in your life that he's saying, would you step out in faith? Would you go? By faith, I am praying that you'll have the courage to decide today is the day that I'm going to take faith, I'm going to take courage, I'm going to step out, and I'm going to take that first step into what God has been asking me and prompting me to do for a very long time. You know, it may be to pick up the phone to heal a relationship that has been broken for many years. It may be that you need to apply for that job that keeps coming up time and time again and you keep convincing yourself you can't do. It may be that you need to relook at the universities and your, your plan that you have for your life and, have a, and do it with Jesus. Instead of filling out that UKS form just because of it's what your teachers have told you or your parents have told you, as wonderful as teachers and parents are, you need to sit with Jesus and say, Jesus, where do you want me to go when it would be so much easier to stay? By faith, I'm praying that you and I, we have the courage to stay on the course and be faithful to where we've been planted when so many times it's easier to throw in the towel and walk away. You see, not all of us are called to go geographically. Some of us are actually being called to put our roots down deeper right where we are. To not walk away when it gets difficult, but to stay planted. But my real, my big prayer today is that we would all have the faith to go and to step into faith when it would be so much easier for us to stay. Why don't you stand with me? So if there's a prayer team here, can I have you up, please? Um, if you are part of regularly part of our prayer team, if you want to come forward. Kids, you've been so good this morning. So just as every eye is closed this morning, I just want to pray for us, and then I want to encourage you to, to come forward and get prayer. Um, if you want prayer this morning, if you're sick in your body, if you are faced with something in your life and you just need God to break in, then please, please don't leave.
through those doors this morning without some of us praying for you. Um, and also there's tea and coffee straight after. Um, if you want to just connect, come grab a cup of tea and coffee and let's um, let this time together continue through there. Just as every eye is closed, if you are feeling a prompting and as we've been t- speaking this morning that you've just, this word go is just resounding in your ears. Would you raise your hand? I would love to pray for you. I would love to pray for you that you would have the faith and the courage. Thank you. There's more. And it's not just about geographically going, but it is about stepping out in faith that God has been speaking to you very clearly and there's a step that you need to take. Why don't you raise your hand so I can pray for you? Thank you. Is there more? There's a few more. I'm just going to give it a moment. It's so easy to walk out that door and just log this up as another talk. So Holy Spirit, right now, would you fill them with courage? Oh, would you fill them with your courage, Holy Spirit? Let faith arise. Let faith arise in this room right now. Faith arise. Father, help them to take that first step that will lead to another step and another step to walk into what you have for them at this moment in their life. Lord, this moment that's like a crossroads that's going to rewrite the next chapter of their lives. God, give them courage, boldness, determination, and faith, God. In your name. And Father, I pray for all of us, God. I pray that you would, um, you would be the author of our stories every day, God, that you would be the author of our stories, that we would invite you in, that we wouldn't just be head down and committed to just living the best life we know how, but Father, we would invite you to come and sit with us and be the author of our stories. Allow you to take control of the, the, the plot line instead of needing to control it ourselves. Yeah, in your name we pray. Amen.